Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 35, which begins with Fifi exclaiming that there was no one at the courthouse to testify against Johnny, and it ends with Goose putting himself between Johnny and the door. Happy Friday, Julia. Happy Friday. So at the very end of yesterday's episode, Fifi started shouting at Goose, and he only got two words out. But we begin today's episode with the rest of his little rant. And it's exactly what we were talking about. Him not calming the situation by being upset and shouting. And he says, they didn't show. Nobody. The punks didn't show. The girl didn't show. The townspeople didn't show. Nobody showed. And that's an interesting list of people to lay out. Uh Uh-huh. Because, okay, the punks didn't show. Probably referring to the biker gang. Right. Like, did they really expect them to show? Yeah. Because, yeah, the punks, the, the motorcycle punks, they would have the best eyewitness thing. But they were also the people that perpetrated the crime and left their buddy behind. So if they did show up, they would basically show up to say, oh, yeah, he totally did it. And we did it, too. Please take us to jail. Because, you know... We're like that. And it's like, no one would ever do that. Yeah. No one would ever self I'm not sure like where that. they were expecting from the punks. Yeah. So the girl didn't show. Not surprised. I'm not surprised. Because. I kind of am. Because she was, you know, the main accuser. Mm-hmm. The, the prosecutor. Shouldn't he have made sure that she showed? As his star witness. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't he have made sure that she was willing and ready and was there that morning? It kind of sounds like the prosecutor didn't do a very good job. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm glad that you brought up the prosecutor because we've been referring to Silvertongue as the district attorney. The district attorney is the representation for the state. He would have been the prosecutor. I don't think Silvertongue was the district attorney necessarily. I'm pretty sure... Silvertongue was the defense... The court-appointed defense. The court-appointed defense attorney. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And the People's Observer is just a records keeper type of thing. Someone who assists the court type of thing. Mm -hmm. Which I'm pretty sure as a court-appointed defense attorney, that's why Silvertongue is so smug about the whole situation. Because he probably doesn't get to pull one over on the the state all that often. So this is probably a big win for him. But... Yeah, I don't think I don't think the girl would have showed just because it was such a traumatic experience and being forced to relive that so soon after the actual event, like But that's how it always is. I mean, this isn't it, it's not uncommon yeah. for accusers to go to court or it's not uncommon for accused rapists to go to court and their accusers to be there to id them yeah i think that's probably it's not as common as it should be i think that's probably why a lot of people don't come forward and report things like that because they don't want to have to go through the process that is a very good point because you're right it would have been a very difficult thing for her to do yeah and i doubt that there was as much as many services available to her as is available to people in modern america 
when you go through something like that, you you see a physician who takes physical evidence and then resources are available to you to assist in your emotional condition as well as your physical condition. And there are people there to help you handle it in all the different ways that are needed, including going to court. Yeah. I think the rough part is, is that throughout the whole process, the defendant is... Uh, presumed innocent until proven guilty and so as the victim of a crime you have to prove that this person violated and brutalized you yeah and the emotional which cost feels, of that which feels so backwards yeah it feels but absurd that's our justice system exactly and, yeah because as how it works as absurd as it sounds you've got to have that across the board yes to make sure that innocent people don't go away for things and it's rough when you are in a situation where you have all of the the knowledge of a situation and the thing is as viewers of this movie because of the way they cut away we don't have all of the information we're making a lot of jumps and a lot of conclusions Mm -hmm. that are circumstantial but we couldn't be reliable witnesses because we did not see what happened yeah um Speaking of people that didn't see what happened... Right, the townspeople. Why would it matter if they showed up? Right. They would be just as circumstantial. So all they saw was the behave, the general behavior of the gang and them leaving town to run after the Chevy. Yeah. That's what they saw. Yeah. They don't know what happened. So it, it, this whole outcry just seems to exacerbate a situation that is already spiraling out of control. Yes, and um, not to very good effect even. Right. He didn't he didn't make a point. I mean, the only part of his of his little rant that was legitimate was that the girl didn't show. Yeah. So. So when you're yeah, when you're making an argument, you don't want a bunch of other things in there that people could use against you like we just did. We yeah. just used all this unneeded information from Fifi against him. Yeah. To diminish his his argument and the case as a whole. What he should have said was, the girl didn't show, no witnesses showed, we have nothing. Yeah. And with all this discussion of the idea of cases just being thrown out because of lack of evidence, I jumped on to the internet. Now, I found it very difficult to find information specifically about Australian court and law, and so I kind of defaulted back to American law, because that's what, you know, I'm familiar with. And not that I'm an expert at all, but I did find someone who was an expert. I went to the University of North Carolina's School of Government webpage, and they have information about this idea that in court cases, it's the state's job to cover two burdens of proof. They have to cover the burden of persuasion and the burden of production. To meet the burden of persuasion, the state must prove to the finder of fact, which could be a jury, it could be a magistrate, it could be a judge. They have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant is guilty. All facts necessary to the, to establish the defender's guilt of the charge offense. Uh, the state must meet a parallel burden of production to actually produce the, the facts against him. Um, thus, the trial court must find that a rational finder of fact could accept the evidence as proof of the defendant's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. 
a motion to dismiss for insufficiency of the evidence tests whether the state has met this burden of production, which we know from talking about it all this time is that they didn't. Yeah, they didn't have, they weren't able to produce evidence. Yeah, they had the circumstantial evidence of what Max and Goose found. They had the physical condition of the young woman. They had the fact that Johnny was there. That's not enough. No. To prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was guilty. It's interesting that you mention that the scene that Max and Goose came upon was not enough to convict him. Because we felt it was. Yes. And in the court of public opinion, he is guilty. Yeah. The interesting part is, is that Max and Goose weren't at the trial. Yeah. We talked about that yesterday. The fact that Max wasn't there. Which Goose brings up. Goose says, where were you? To Max when he's trying to hold him back. He he says to Max, where were you? Well, Goose, where were you? Yeah. Why, why weren't Max and Goose called to testify? Exactly. Or at least to deliver their police report. Yeah. You know, because yeah, they came in after the fact, but they're the ones that essentially responded to the call. Yes. And so they're and... incredibly important to this case. So, okay. So witnessing the aftermath that Max and Goose did may not be enough for a conviction. Okay, I will give you that. But what they did firsthand witness was the rope, one end in Johnny's possession and the other end around the girl. Yeah. That could be enough for some sort of kidnapping charge. Right. Um, so, I mean, they could have gotten something. Um, so, I just, I don't understand why they weren't there. Mm -hmm. And... I also have questions about, okay, bringing the parallel back to a modern American sexual assault trial. If the victim decided that they could not appear in court, just not something that they were emotionally or physically able to do, the trial could go forward. Just because the victim isn't willing to stand up in court and and stand face to face with her accuser doesn't mean that that the that the accused the, 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 hmm, that the trial won't go forward because there is other evidence. Right. So apparently they didn't have any other evidence. So that tells me that society is at a point where you know. They, there was no rape kit when yeah. they took her to the hospital. If that, they took her to the hospital. If they took her to the hospital. Um, because that physical evidence that they could have gotten from that, you don't need her to accuse him. Right. It's there. So you can definitely tell that there were just botches. You know, yeah. the officers dropped the ball at certain points and it just... The prosecutor, I feel like, dropped the ball. Yeah. Things couldn't happen the way that Goose wanted them to happen. Yes. Yeah. And this, yeah, it, it all comes back to the theme of this minute is Goose and his reaction and how he handles it. Yeah. Which and, is not well. Which is not well. Yeah. And it doesn't help that... <laughs> Nobody is helping. As... Everybody's just making it worse. Fifi's getting upset. Goose is just trying to grasp what's happening and meanwhile Silvertongue and the People's Observer they're just interjecting themselves into the situation right you know Silvertongue gets his only line in the movie where he flat up says that you don't have a case Goose is this the moment where he calls him an old man he says it means old man you haven't got a case against Johnny so 
So it, silver it's, tongue. Yeah, silver tongue as the old man. As the old man is calling Goose old man. I don't think he's legitimately calling him old. I think he's just using it's it a, as an idiom. Yes, you know, as a it definitely. It's just an odd one to choose because there's so many out it's there. It's kind of it's kind of British sounding, and he definitely presents himself as a proper gentleman because he's got his big bag of papers and things, and he's yes. got his little umbrella. And actually, and the moment that we're the moment that we're paused on, he's like look literally looking down his nose yeah. at Goose. So Max is holding Goose back as Goose is like, you're not going to let him walk out the door. And the People's Observer, just this mousy little bespectacled oh, man. Yeah, I do not like That's him. exactly what you're going to do. And he's got this high little voice. Um, at this point, I, can, I, I think we can dive into who he is. Yes. So, so the People's Observer is played by an actor named Gil Tucker. Who, yesterday I said that he was more interesting, and he's more interesting because of his connection to Andrew Gilmore, which is not a, not a direct connection, but I'll get into that. So, he's another one of the actors in this movie where his top credit on IMDb is Mad Max. Um, he was also in 1983's All the Rivers Run, where he played Hopkins. He was in uh, several episodes of The Flying Doctors. Which is actually another crossover property that a lot of actors in this movie have also been in the Flying Doctors, which oh. is all about doctors in the bush flying to things, calls and whatnot. Interesting. Okay. Uh, he played Joe Forrest in a couple episodes of that. And then the number four credit is another TV show called Kelly, where he played a character named Frank Patterson. Uh, he was also in Homicide, Matlock Police, Division 4, and Neighbors. And Neighbors is the one that really stood out to me. Because as I mentioned yesterday, Andrew Gilmore was in Neighbors. What I found interesting is that Andrew Gilmore and Gil Tucker were both featured in that show. But they were featured in that show 10 years apart. And I'm like huh, that's an awfully long span of time. And then it's then that I realized that Neighbors is soap opera. So it's been running ever since 1985. That's when it started. And it's been running 32 years straight. It's still going? Still going. Wow. Still on the air. Um, and so that made me think, holy cow, that's a long time for a single TV show to be on the air. And so I jumped online and I tried to figure out, okay, what are some of the longest running continuous shows on the air? So Guinness Book of World Records has, you know, the award for the longest running dramatic series, the longest run of a dramatic series, and whatnot. So the title of the longest run of a dramatic series belongs to Guiding Light, which ended back in 2009 at the completion of its 72nd season. That's right, because some of those soap operas started out on the radio. Yep. Uh, Guiding Light started out... On I think it's CBS Radio in 1952. Uh, the second longest run of a dramatic series was As the World Turns, uh, which ran for 54 seasons until it was canceled in 2009. Both of these shows, they were canceled in 2009, replaced by daytime talk shows, which a bit of a bummer. But after that many years, it is like I... how do you keep something like that fresh? <laughs> which actually answers the question. The as far as currently running shows, the longest running series is actually from the UK. It's a show Coronation Street. It's been on the air continuously since 1960. And I think Coronation Street is more of like it's got like more politics thrown okay. in there. Is it 
Is it a soap opera? Yeah. Okay, so it's a daily. It's a dramatic series. It's okay. the longest currently running dramatic, dramatic series. Dramatic series. Okay. A daily. Exactly. Okay. Um, it's been on the air continuously for that long. So real quick, I would just like to draw a parallel. Yeah. Between dramatic series, soap operas, and us. Mm-hmm. Because we have a similarity. We produce shows every day. Right. Could you imagine doing this, what we do, every day for 50 years? I mean, even 20 years or 10 years. I mean, we're, you know, we're already thinking ahead for our hiatus. Yeah. This is intense. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a very different genre, but producing something every single day is, is yeah. it's a lot of work. It is a even lot of work. Even for, you know, a half hour of us just chatting, it's still a lot of work. Yeah, so you've really got to give it up to shows like Neighbors and whatnot. Yes. That they can run for so long. Yeah, it really is impressive. Yeah, you know. And of course, those those shows always have ridiculous storylines. There's, when I was looking up, I think it's Guiding Light, where they cloned one of their characters by taking one of... So they had a character who died, but that character had frozen eggs, and so they cloned that character using the frozen eggs, but then accelerated her aging so that she could be played by the same actor who just died right they also have the big confrontation fights and whatnot which is exactly what starts happening in this minute yes because as goose is being told off by (laughs) the court officials (laughs) um goose straight up points at the people's observer and says shut up or i'll kill you (laughs) and then he has to instantly be held back yeah and then he kind of lunges a bit and gets held back by uh max and fifi yeah and fifi just waves ahead to charlie just keep him moving keep him moving and he goose does that thing where he like turns around and he like kind of puts his hand out. he's like i'm calm i'm calm yep i'm fine and it almost seems like he's faking being calm so that he can Not lunge again. But I think at that moment he really was calm. Yeah, he's like, He okay. really had gathered himself. And then we get Johnny. Oh, yeah. Now, it's interesting. What we're about to talk about, you and I read in different ways. Yes, yes. And looking back on it, I think your way is the correct way, but I still like mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Johnny makes a comment. He says, hey, Bronze, look at you, a cripple and a mute. Yes, now, he's referring to Goose and Charlie. Right, because they were the two officers who, who were, on. yes, were uh, watching over him. So Goose responds by saying, he sings and I tap dance. Now, this is a line that we read differently. Yep. I heard and I understood that he was, when he said he sings, he's talking about Johnny. Mm-hmm. Because that's really all we've seen Johnny do is talk. Yeah. He mocks people, he's obnoxious, he's provoking people. All he's ever done is talk and, you know, rape somebody. But that's unconfirmed, I suppose. So so I thought when he said he sings, he's referring to Johnny. And when he says, I tap dance, obviously talking about himself, he's saying that Johnny is all talk, but I'm willing to act. Mm -hmm. And then he attacks Johnny. Right. Pushes him back over like a hay bale or something like yes, that. Yes, which brings up a point that we're not going to talk about right now. But why the heck is there a hay bale in the police station? Yeah. Just pointing that out. There's a bunch of crap in that place. Yes. So you read that sentence differently. Right. So when Goose hears, you know, a cripple and a mute, he kind of does like a point And there, there it, the shot is not wide enough. 
for you to really see exactly who he's pointing at, but it it kind of feels like he's pointing at Charlie. So he's when he refers to he sings, he's talking about Charlie and I tap dance as if to say, you know, Johnny is all, oh, yo, you're a cripple, he's a mute. And Goose's challenge of that statement is, you know, despite him being mute and me being a cripple, we can still take you down type of thing. Yeah. And the idea of Charlie singing kind of made me chuckle a little bit because, you know, he could be an EDM star. You know, all the yeah. robotic voices are all the rage, yes. especially in the 80s and whatnot. He has not lost the, that opportunity. He could become a DJ. Yeah. And there's nothing saying that Goose can't learn to tap dance. You know, what's the uh, the thing out there? Was it my left foot? And it's like a dude in a wheelchair and he like taps just using just, one of his feet. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Johnny's being very ableist in this statement, and so yes. <laughs> Goose is refuting him of that. I think it's interesting. But that whole I tap dance thing is definitely the precursor to him it... trying to just beat on Johnny some more. Yes. But it's like, Johnny, you are in the lion's den. Just, you are so close to the door. Stop trying to get them to beat you some more, because at this point... Yeah, it's... <sighs> if you just shut up. If you just shut up. It would have been over by now. Mm-hmm. He would have walked out the door and into the safe hands of Bubba Zanetti. Yep. And this would be over. And then the whole rest of the movie, well, half of the rest of the movie, wouldn't have happened. Yeah. like I feel like there's, oh, and we've okay. brought it up, okay. there are many, many points along the way where if this hadn't happened, okay, there would be no story. So if Johnny had not provoked the goose, he would have left, he would have met up with Bubba, Johnny and Bubba would have gone back to Toe Cutter without calling out Goose. Mm -hmm. Because in the altercation that we're going to see on, like, I think it's like Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. I think at the very end of Monday's episode, the beginning of Tuesday's episode, they have a final headbutt. And if they never had that final headbutt, they would not have gone again. They would not have gone after Goose specifically. Goose wouldn't have met with the fate that he eventually meets with. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have prompted Max to go on vacation. And Jesse would never have run into the toe cutter at the beach. Yeah. So it's another so, it's another one of those crossroads. Yes. <laughs> where something happened and it, it moves us. Closer to the inevitable. Yes, closer to the inevitable. One thing I definitely noticed about this minute is that there are some weird cuts. After Goose pushes Johnny back onto the bale of something, we have a weird cut where suddenly Goose is like really far away, pulled back by Fifi and Max, and then the Silver Tongue and then Silver, Silver Tongue, Tongue and Charlie are helping Johnny up, and then we have another weird cut. Where suddenly Johnny and Silvertongue are way around the corner. Yeah, they are jumping time yeah, quite it, a bit. It's it's kind of jarring, and I actually had to go and make sure it wasn't just the cut that we're watching. Like I made sure to like go out to other resources and actually confirm that. Yeah, it's it's just a weirdly cut moment. Yeah. Okay. But as as they're continuing to lead Johnny out, the People's Observer is pointing at Goose and says that you know the courts are going to hear about this and. You know, this is outrageous. And it's then, so nerdy. <laughs> oh, and he's got these big old glasses and, I mean, and like a bow tie. He's not wrong. You know, <laughs> Goose has attacked somebody who at that moment is still in custody. Yeah. So they have a case against Goose and it only gets worse. So he's not wrong. He's yeah. just really nerdy about it. Yeah. 
So Max is holding Goose back and he Goose is pointing at the people's observer and he has this awesome line that I just love. I didn't catch it, so okay. this is this is new to me. So Goose says, he wearing that face for a bet or does he really look that stupid? <laughs> <laughs> it is so great. It really is. You know, you made a comment before, I think it was may have been last minute, that Goose isn't the type to be uh doing improv at the local theater i don't know that line's pretty great <laughs> oh i'm pretty sure that's probably in his repertoire he probably he probably busts he probably that one out for that. special occasions yeah and oh my gosh that nerdy little guy this man is grossly offensive <laughs> yeah <laughs> then to really hammer home the nerdiness of it goose pushes him into a set of lockers yeah and I'm surprised he didn't spin him around and give him a wedgie. Yes, it was it was quite on the nose that he got shoved into a group of lockers. Yeah. Oh, and I love the sound effect of him hitting those lockers. Just all of that metal clanging together it just sounds so perfect. Yes. So perfect. But after he pushes him aside, he, he keeps trying to get closer to Johnny and Fifi and Max are holding him back. Yeah. And it's at this point yeah. that Fifi really loses points with me. This is this is bad. And you gotta, you gotta hear it. It's yeah. not necessarily easy to hear, yeah. But it's there, and it's pretty bad. So Fifi, after the People's Observer is pushed into the locker, says, "Get him out of here, Max." Goose says, "I can make a case of it." Fifi says, "What case, you fool?" It might not actually be Fifi. It might be Silver Tongue. It's kind of hard to see exactly who says yeah, it. Yeah, everything's happening. There's a lot of noise, a lot of music, a lot of action going on. So. But Goose says, "You saw what they did to that girl," and Fifi fires back with, "For God's sake, she was the town bike." And I'm like, "Excuse what? me, what?" I'm I like, just couldn't believe it when I heard it. I'm like, "Are you serious, dude?" Oh my gosh! No. I have tried to keep, you know, my feminism under control because I don't want to annoy people, which is another symptom of sexism. But anyways, in that many times in this movie, female characters don't get names, as in the girl who was raped, which, oh, okay, so we have been... We have we've been indicating that it's not guaranteed that she was raped. Well, I think we just guarantee. I think we just clarified that. Yeah, that's very. I fair think to Fifi's say. comment that she was the town bike, i.e., everybody's had a ride, confirms that she was raped. Yeah. So now we can talk about it with a certainty. Yeah. And. Uh, okay. First I of just, all, oh. no, she wasn't. As far as we saw, she, she was, was in a committed. She singular was, relationship right, she was, yes with this guy that she was riding with right we she have no not, indication that she was ever with anybody else exactly so and, no she wasn't the town bike and even if she were right that does not justify what the acolytes did to her yeah i mean they're oh i i like don't even know where to begin okay <laughs> so, this line is was, grossly offensive yeah if she was, quote-unquote, the town bike, meaning if she slept with more than one person, if it was voluntary, what's wrong with that? Exactly. You know, I, I'm i in a monogamous relationship because that's what I want for myself. Right. But if somebody else wants something different for themselves, what's wrong with that? Exactly. And even, even if she was, 
sleeping with more than one person or had jumped from boyfriend to boyfriend that gives nobody the right to assume that they get to have sex with her. Right. Like this Let sh- alone forcefully. This should not be earth-shattering to anybody. Like Right. I mean, I'm sure our listeners probably, you know, I just oh this movie is so sexist. <laughs> And I'm trying not to obsess about that, but this movie is so sexy. The series gets better. Oh my gosh. At least Tina Turner is in a position of power, but who knows what we're going to find when we examine that movie minute to minute. I mean, on the surface, on the surface, this movie isn't particularly sexist. Yes, it's entirely about men. Um, and women are the victims in this movie. They get raped. They get killed. But, I mean, once we start examining it minute to minute, female characters are often not named at all. The dispatcher is, like, not... She's She has more lines than anybody else in this movie. I wouldn't be surprised if she has more lines in this movie than everybody else combined. But she has no character name, and she's not credited. Yeah, that is a level of research that I'm not willing to participate in. (laughs) And this woman who plays a pivotal role in this movie... And the storyline going forward is not named. Yeah. I say. I just, when society started talking about, a couple years ago, it started to become more prevalent, the idea of rape culture. Mm -hmm. I struggled to kind of get my head around what people meant by that. And over time, I have, you know, just the general societal attitudes that we bring to our day-to-day interactions is what, you know, that men being seen as superior, stronger, with more rights, you know, lends itself to rape culture. Even if I hadn't figured it out and got my head around what what that means before now, this is it. This moment right here, that line, that is rape culture yeah. right there. Because Fifi is basically saying that what happened to her is justified because of what she has done in the past. Yes. And that from some just unjustified moral position that he's put himself in, that that makes it okay. And it's not okay. Now, you say unjustified. My my point was going to be that his moral position, his moral authority, I should say, is justified because he is a leader in the community. People look to him for law and order. People look to him for safety and to take care of them and to maintain whatever is left of society. Mm -hmm. So with that moral authority that he's granted by society, this is what he does with it. Yeah. And this is not what he should be doing with it. No. Which is very surprising because what we've seen of him so far... Is not that attitude. Right. He is, is all the about... the attitude of law and order he's and all regulations. He's people believe in the police again. Yes. And... This line betrays the... that. Yes. And what's the line from La Batouche? Like, I know you want to restore the people's heroes, something like that. Well, he just destroyed himself as a people's exactly. hero. This is why people don't believe in heroes anymore, because Fifi, who fashions himself a hero of the people, is so quick... In the heat of the moment to just throw out sexist things like she was the town bike. Yeah. That's why people don't believe in heroes anymore. It's very disappointing. And I'm interested 
to see him down the road, does he continue down this morally questionable vein? Or was this, was that line just poor writing written for somebody who shouldn't have said it? If somebody else had said it. Oh my gosh, if Roop said it, that would be completely yes. in line with his if character. Silvertongue had said it, it would have, I mean, it would have meant the same thing. I, I still would have read the same thing into it about rape culture, but it would have been much less disappointing because it wouldn't have been Fifi. Exactly. The fact that it's Fifi saying it. Is what's truly heartbreaking about that line read. Yes. Like so, so I think I think it's poor writing. Like focusing in on this minute specifically, I don't like that it's Fifi who's saying that line. Ideally, the line would not be in there, but the fact that it's Fifi who says it, yeah, is just very upsetting. It's out of character. It really is, and it changes. It dramatically changes our viewing of him. Yeah, and I think it's going to taint the the interactions that we see with him down the road and i'm very interested the next time we see him i don't recall what it's going to be but knowing that he views the public in that way and views women in that way it's yeah it's it's gonna affect how i see him as an authority figure down the road yeah so after we get that line goose breaks free of max and fifi he pushes through the group of, you know, Johnny and Silvertongue and Charlie, and he puts himself between the door and the group, and he's got his nightstick out. Yes. And he's... He is fully prepared to fight. defend his position. Yeah. And the the one line that we get from him in this scene before we cut off the minute is, he's my prisoner. Right. He, he is setting himself up. He's trying to set himself up on the moral high ground. Right. And... It's interesting that he chooses now. Like, if he was going to set himself up on the moral high ground, the beginning of last minute, when he thought all was going his way, he was taunting Johnny. Yeah. Physically and verbally. hmm Well, now that his high horse is threatened, he's trying to pull the moral high ground. Yeah. And it's less effective because he gave up the moral high ground when he was taunting Johnny. Right. If he was going to be all childish and and like you said taunting and whatnot like to suddenly try and shift to be this righteous knight of a character Mm -hmm. it's like you know it doesn't really fly you know the the gesture to to noble knight transition is not a no not an easy one to switch back and forth no and it's it's not very effective yeah not sure what he's hoping to accomplish And so this whole situation, like I said, I think I said, I think I mentioned this yesterday. The whole thing is going to go completely off the rails on yes. Monday, because now that the nightstick is out and they are so close to the courtyard, just the fuse is starting to burn down. We're, yes. we're going to get to that point where the whole thing explodes. But that's on Monday. That is for Monday. Yep. So heading into the weekend, um, I don't think we have anything really this weekend to look forward to i'm super excited for next tuesday though because mass effect andromeda comes out and i've been looking forward to that for a long time and i only bring it up because i want to reassure the viewers and by viewers i mean listeners (laughs) i want to reassure them that even though i'm probably going to be spending most of my waking hours playing this video game that i'm not going to let it get in the way of production that we're still going to release on time day to day it's going to happen mm-hmm. you don't have to worry but whenever i'm not on here 
or at work, I'm probably going to be playing that video game. Mm-hmm. So. And I will once again be a video game widow. Yep. <laughs> Every once in a while, a video game comes out that is so good and so anticipated that I just count you out. Yep. Like, you're done. Yep. <laughs> You'll enjoy watching it, I'm sure. And as long as it's got a good storyline. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy it. Always that always reminds me of a joke. I can't remember where I heard it or when or in reference to what about a, a man and a woman, a boyfriend, girlfriend, and the girlfriend's like, "Can we watch that movie that we were watching the other night? It was so good, and it and it ended so abruptly. I want to keep watching it." And he's like, "Yeah, that was my video game." And she had no idea that she was watching a video game. I'm very much like that. I like watching you play as long as they have good storylines. Mm-hmm. But I personally have nothing coming up this weekend. I have something coming up I am not looking forward to. So that's I don't know. all you have to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yep. All right. So if you've got nothing happening on the weekend and you want something to do, well, you could go to our website at madmaxminute.com or follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute. And if you've been particularly enjoying our podcast, you could also jump on iTunes and give us some five-star reviews because when you search iTunes for Mad Max Minute, I think we're somewhere in like the second row of podcasts that come up. And so for people searching Mad Max... You know, we want to make it a little bit easier for them to find the podcast. So give us a bunch of good reviews. It'll put us higher up on the list and help us, you know, reach more people that want to comb through this movie minute by minute with us. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 35. Have a great weekend and we'll see you on Monday. Motorbikes and men. Take me to the end of the dream. Hold on tight,